Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. What have ever seen in my life? What the hell did you do to me, sir? What the hell did you do to me? Wow. I am sorry. I am sorry to the people who made this. I am sorry because I'm about to destroy you in this next podcast. But it, I would not be fair to any other piece of art if I didn't do that. Because, John, what the hell is this show? What the hell are we doing here? Go on. That That's a great question. Well, the show is Jacob Marley is Dead. Uh, a show where normally we have a cold open, but this time we don't. And we talk about a Christmas carol. I'm John, your host. I'm I'm not happy. I'm not happy, John. I'm your sidekick, Jimmy, and I'm going to kick you in the side when I see you next time because I I have seen the eye of the hurricane. I have seen, I believe, the worst version of a Christmas Carol ever, and I don't know if we can peak is the wrong word. Bottom out this early on. This was. This is this this is akin to almost like when like like Cthulhu. Like I'm seeing like an unnatural old world god that I am just in awe of, and I'm losing my mind because of it. It's this is insane. This is an insane thing that we watch today that has no, no rhyme or reason to it at all loosely backed up by the novella of Charles Dickinson. It is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so to, uh, to give context for, for James's Lovecraftian meltdown. Oh, uh, this week we watched a Christmas Carol, a film that came out in 2020. Very recent. This film was directed by Girish Patel and produced by Carmel Barrett, and get used to those two names, because we're going to be saying them a lot over the next couple of episodes. Um, If you don't know those names, uh, that's because you probably haven't seen one of the two films that they have credits for. Uh, Those films are this one, A Christmas Carol, and a movie that they directed uh, five years before this called 59, which I have been unable to find much information about the 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 like crowdfunding page that they use to fund it no longer links to an actual website 
Um, from what little I've been able to gather, a lot of the same actors are in 59 as, as there are in this movie, um, including the both Gurish Patel, the director, and uh, Carmel Barrett, the producer. Um, this film was uh, an independent project, as you can probably tell, by the way, that... <laughs> no freaking kidding! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, from what I've been able to gather, Garish Patel is a teacher in Fermoy, which is in Cork County, Ireland. And um, this film boasts an all-Irish cast, which you can probably tell by the, the the heavy Irish accents that you'll hear throughout. And I'm going to try to drop some sound clips from it. Oh, oh, please do, John, because I've never heard the word humbug pronounced like that before in my life. But, you know, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to we'll get to all of it. Oh. Yeah. So the reason that we're watching this movie, so I, I we made kind of a last minute change. Uh, initially, our plan for this episode was that we were going to watch a stage production called A Christmas Carol in Harlem. Um, unfortunately, the, the theater company that produced that um, took the video down off of YouTube. And I felt like um, I didn't want you, our listeners, to listen to us talk about a relatively obscure stage production that nobody can actually go and see. Um, without you being able to watch it and kind of experience it with us. I realize most of you probably don't do that if you're listening, but I know some people do. Um, so I kind of called an audible and I've had this one in my back pocket for a little bit. And I thought, here's my rationale. We have watched um, a couple of, of straightforward adaptations, a very old one and a relatively recent one. We've watched a kind of modern reimagining. We've watched an animated version. Um, the one thing that we really haven't done up until this point is, is a, I'll say bad version. We haven't, we haven't watched a bottom of the barrel. Like this is not, not the best. Um, but what's cool about this movie is like, yeah, like it's a bad movie. Like most independent movies are, it's bad for the reason most like very small budget indie films are, are bad and not, and, I say that and then there's like thousands of indie films that are amazing. But when I, when I say low budget, I mean like a $20 budget. This movie has no budget at all. Produced by people who clearly aren't professional filmmakers in any way. Yeah, it's it's you can smell the lack of knowing what the hell to do through this movie. It's like it just it's shots are not or like in the frames correctly and there's this constant just just lack of understanding of filmmaking honestly like this is bad 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 um, but it's the, it, i will say this about this movie it's the special kind of bad that only happens when you're trying really really hard to make something that is deep and good these people to their credit sat down with this and were like we could just make a uh you know like every other version of a christmas carol or we could try to do something artistic and intense and thought provoking and they fall radically short of that mark. I would equate it to when Homer tries to jump the gorge, like they're kind of almost on the cusp of greatness, but not really. They were hitting the bottom and then guess what? As they get out of it, they hit a tree and roll back down and fall back into the gorge. They they're just, it's, a hot garbage mess, this whole thing. And yes, I agree with you. There was some sort of vision here 
some sort of connection with faith and like a, and a real, like, we're going to talk about faith and talk about church and everything like that. And I'm, I look, I'm down for those types of adaptations when done well, this was not, and we'll get into all the reasons why. Yeah. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say this now because this is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot. And I think it, it is almost meaningless these days because it's just kind of become synonymous for like a bad movie. But this is the the room of Christmas carols. And here's why. Not because it's a bad movie. It is it is the the room of Christmas carols because it is it is clearly the vision of of a of a far reaching auteur who is who is stretching far beyond the limits of their capability to try to deliver a story that in attempting to be something so dramatic and so provocative ends up being a failure in almost every way. So shall we talk about it? Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Let's get into this. First of all, when I buy the movie, I, sorry, I rented the movie. Let me back up. I rented the movie for $3. So th- they got $3 of my money. Okay. The first thing that pops up is a warning. It's like a PG 13 warning from Ireland. And I'm scared on that. Like, I'm like, is this going to be like some sort of like weird, like horror Christmas Carol? Cause friends, I knew nothing about this movie john just told me the situation with uh the the harlem version and like we couldn't get it i was like okay so just send me the link i knew nothing about this dang thing and i'm like there's a warning before the film is he sending me like christmas carol snuff i don't know but i'm scared okay Yeah, it's it's rated 12A by the Irish Film Classification Office, which I guess is like a PG I, a from PG. what I was from what I was seeing. I mean, I guess that would make sense. Like it goes all the way like you got to be t- but or maybe it's like the PG-13. I don't know what yeah. ratings yeah. In, in different countries, but it they do that. And then we get our intro, John. <laughs> yeah. So so we start off with, with the um, the kind of splash screen for the production company. Right, a uh, Carmel Barrett and Garish Patel, and it's and it's some like vaguely uh, like Bollywood sounding music playing over CGI footage of the planet Earth, and and the letters fly in, and it looks exactly like the opening credits of like any mid two thousands like teen comedy, like Clock Stoppers or something. Wow, you just busted out Clock Stoppers and yeah, how about that? How about Dude. that? I'll give you a better one. Do you know what my wife and I watched recently? What? The Master of Disguise. Wow. The Dana Carvey wants to have an Austin Power franchise movie that failed. It was bad. I mean, it was way worse than I... I remember liking that movie when I was a child. I am an... That was... I was incorrect. (laughs) The trailer... When the trailer is better than the movie, it was at that moment they knew they messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, there is a trailer for this movie... Uh, it's probably on our Twitter it. feed. I'm not watching it. <laughs> it. It will be on our Twitter feed by the time this episode comes out. And and I will say uh, it's pretty strong indication of what we're going to expect to see. So the, the film then opens with sort of black and white footage of, of a piece of a clock tower. And right away, you can tell that this movie, the way that this movie is filmed is they found something that looked vaguely period appropriate and then just filmed as little of it as they possibly could to give you the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a fake snow, 
like a really bad fake snow effect that's basically just like a 2d image floating in front of the screen yeah it's like if you ever played an old video game on the super nintendo and they were like had rain or snow in the level it's just it's just in front of everything and the and then you're playing in the background of it it's but it looks worse than even an nes video game like it's yeah. bad yeah so we get a, a title plate that says christmas eve 1795 which is weird that it's not the right year but scrooge might be born in that year like i could buy that for like how old he needs to be because a christmas yeah. carol takes place it changes from a version to version but like 1840s is what i always thought of maybe a little bit later but not much yeah this yeah. is i think it's supposed to be like 1843 yeah like that's why i always that's what my mind always goes to but it says yeah i go 9 1795 what the heck is this <laughs> yeah and which never really it's not like nothing happens you know what i think happened they looked up what year did a christmas carol took up they got to scrooge's wikipedia and they saw the year of birth and they yeah. went oh 1795 that's the year it takes place sure sure maybe i like I, look there's gonna be a lot of grasping at straws in this review here because there are ideas that are just thrown out into the ether and never ever referenced again like little dangly bits of like is this what they're trying to say what are they doing here no answers all questions no answers yeah yeah and and we're so we're currently a second into this movie in terms of like the review this is what we're <laughs> going to be dealing with so we see we see bob cratchit an extreme close-up because every shot in this movie is a close-up every shot you can't see it right now because we're on a zoom conference recording this but my face is all the way up in my camera and i i think it's not even close enough to being what they did in the movie yeah yeah oh. yeah it's in, yeah every shot is a close-up because and i think again i think part of that is attempting to disguise the fact that they're in like modern buildings so they're trying to like pick a corner where there's kind of an old piece of furniture and be like okay here's the background for this particular character yeah they don't even attempt at sets like they're clearly yeah. just in their house and their neighborhood and they don't get permits for anything they don't like get like they don't get like sponsored for any shooting locations it's all just their backyards inside their houses and as we will find out in a second what they can create on a computer with cg oh, yeah God. yeah so from what i understand what i'm what i've inferred based on just reading like the credits for the movie and and um, I found a couple of like news articles about like small local like theaters that had played the movie because it was like a local filmmaker. Um, this was filmed in in and around um, Fermoy, that that town in in County Cork. So, um, you know, that that is what it is. Um, Bob Cratchit is writing in a book, which is clearly just a book with like printed pages. And he's and he's pretending to write in it with a feather pen, which it happens many times. And every time I see it, it's funny. It's pretty hysterical. And Bob is our narrator. If uh, yeah. And which it's not a bad choice. We're going to see it from time to time come up. So if you're going to have a narrator, that's not just omniscient and like Dickens, like this is an okay, like choice, but who this Bob Cratchit is not my Bob Cratchit. This well, is, yeah. Oh boy. We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's one actor in this movie who I enjoy, and not because they're good, but just because I think it's the same one, John. Yeah, I think we yeah. all got the same. Yeah, we'll, we'll just wait because they're it. doing a thing. So, um, <laughs> Bob kind of gives us our introduction. Like he's like, "My name is Bob Cratchit," <laughs> and 
in in a very Irish accent, and uh, and he's kind of talking about how this is a story about how how anyone can change for the better, and he's giving you like the most kind of watered down moral version of what a Christmas Carol is. And then we get our our like art film, right? And this is where like the artsy stuff starts to happen because there's these long, slow shots of of this kid playing a Christmas song on a a very modern looking recorder in in like a an alleyway, like a dirty alley. And the fake snow is falling, even though he's clearly like under a, a cover of some kind, but there's still snow falling. <laughs> and uh i'm just remembering the thing that happens next and i'm like that yeah. freaking happened yeah. <laughs> keep going keep yeah. going <laughs> so then this this kid comes up who i guess is like rich is he a rich kid he he's lincoln hat rich brat kid and yeah. he's watching poor kid with a recorder go to town on it and like playing his heart out right and the rich bratty kid with the lincoln top hat comes over and there's a hat on the ground in front of Recorder Kid. And it's like, okay, maybe he's going to put a coin in his, head, in his hat or something like that. But that's not what happens. That is not at all what happens. What happens, John? Yeah, the kid picks up like a dirty rock off the, the ground. The, the grossest yeah. looking rock I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, like muddy and, and just nasty. And puts it in this kid's hat. And they don't speak. Like, there's no dialogue here. No, it's like... Rich kid and recorder kid are eyeball to eyeball. And he doesn't look, he just, rich kid just freaking like, like he's playing like a cornhole, tosses the freaking thing into the hat and is like, boop, there it is. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, we're going to go real dark with this for some reason. Like, even though it's a crap production and we're only like half a minute in, like, okay, at least they're going to be saying something. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the kid's mom shows up and she's calling for him, but like, it's silent. Like it's like a silent movie. Cause there's this. So the, the music in this movie, by the way, is a bunch of like these really intense MIDI files. It feels like, like King's quest music or something. And <laughs> all of it was composed and, and produced by Garish Patel. So the guy who directed this also composed quote unquote, all of the, the MIDI file music that plays in the background of this movie. Look, I can if that's all if what if what he does for this movie is considered composing, I can compose a freaking masterpiece, okay? Cuz this is just collecting MIDI files off of line or clips off of YouTube that you know are public domain and throwing them together and seeing like, yeah, this sting kind of works right here. Oh, this can just stretch out for four minutes where I've got no good audio to cover. Like, this... And there are plenty of places like that because the the amount of times in this movie where two characters just stare at each other back and forth for, like, a long minute and with no emotion or no expression on their faces and to attempt to establish, like, something about the scene, it's... It's perplexing. There's, it, I have a note later on about one of those that's really, really intense. There's so many, and they're so awkward, and they're and they're constant, and they're never not stopping. They're never not stopping with this stuff, and I am, yeah, 
I'm mad at you, John. <laughs> so this 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 movie is an hour and 17 minutes long, and it it could probably have been like 40 minutes if we're being honest. If they cut out half of like the weird like atmospheric filler of people just like making faces at each other, and also two other major things that if they cut out would make this thing go by a way lot faster. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we'll get to those in a yeah, moment. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so, um, then we see a cane hit the pavement and. In walks our Ebenezer Scrooge, a lovely elderly fellow named John Brett, who... The hero of the movie, ladies and gentlemen. I... Oh, gosh. John Brett, man. This guy. This guy's working boots on around some crazy people, because that's what's going down, friends. Yeah. So this this guy is clearly not an actor. And I I would argue that none of the people in this movie are really actors per se no maybe there's maybe a couple people who make like a, like a kind of an attempt there's like one or two performances that i actually th- thought were like oh maybe they're like semi-pro or maybe they've done a lot of community theater like okay that's a, with what they had to what they have to do they're trying their best and they're getting something across and they're they're acting but yeah. this guy not a trained yeah, professional. No, no. He's very, he's very old. I mean, this guy's definitely in his eighties. He's, he's got a, a pretty significant like scoliosis or something like a real curvature of the spine. Most of the time when he is in scenes, his dialogue has been like clipped and cut together in such a way that makes me think that he probably like couldn't super hold it together or remember his lines. Mm-hmm. So they kind of like, it's almost like watching like a like a commentary YouTuber where like, you know how they cut out like dead space so that the video is really tight and you can always tell where the cut is, but it's like just part of the style. There are places in this movie where like that happens, where there's a cut midway through a character's line staying on their face and they just cut a chunk out. And it's always with John Brett, this this guy who plays Scrooge. Oh, God, that made me just depressed. I just had this vision of like the YouTube editing style will eventually become standard in cinema. And then retroactively, this will be hailed as like a pioneer of the format. No, no, I don't. I don't think this is going to be hailed as a pioneer of anything. I Um, so hope not. (laughs) So the rich kid runs away and there's this like hilariously fake running sound effect that plays. I don't know if you caught that. It sounds like a video game. Yeah, And a lot of things in this sound like a video game. Yeah, and then Scrooge says to the recorder kid, "Be gone!" And I'm gonna, I'll, I will try to drop a sound clip of it in here because th- it. This is the first of a number of times where Scrooge will have a line where an echo effect is applied and a weird oversaturated screen flash happens, and and a lightning crash happens to indicate that he is a bad person. <laughs> Yeah, he sounds like The Undertaker. It's like the WWE Undertaker. And um, most of the time I'm here for it, but uh, not great, dude. Not great. Yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of what brings us into our credits. Um, our so let's credits. talk about this credit sequence. <laughs> our credits. John, I almost ran out of paper for these credits on my notes here, okay? Because good gosh, this was insane. All right, first of all, I thought we were playing the video game Fables when these credits began. (laughs) Because what these shots are, are just a CGI camera traveling through a, I guess, medieval 
looking yeah. village? It is it is most certainly not like Victorian London. It's a it's a late Dark Ages, early Renaissance London in like CryEngine or some other video game engine. I think I saw CryEngine in their credits. So I think this is probably like an asset that exists in one of those game creators. Like if you just need a town, here's your town. Yeah, I could almost imagine like it's the demo version of it. Like this is how you could do a town. And it's not. So we start with that and we're traveling and the camera isn't moving like it's this is a Christmas movie technically. So when I think of that, maybe it's like slow pans over the you know the the CGI rustic Dark Ages tavern. <laughs> yeah. For the eighteen hundreds Christmas Carol, set in seventeen ninety five. Don't think about it. Your head will hurt. Anyway, so but we get these fast moving camera shots, really swooping yeah, in and around houses. With a lot of dead cows just hanging around, like yeah, yeah. Like and just, no people, no anywhere. people, not a soul to be said. So we we go, we keep traveling through this horrible setting, and it just keeps going. And I checked the time on this one, John. This does not go on for you know thirty seconds. I mean, this is two minutes long of yeah. the longest intros I've seen in a modern movie in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's very amateurish because it takes you back to like very old movies where like you would have just like a, an eternity of credits before the movie and they didn't think to like put the credits over the movie or have something happen during the credits. It's just like title plates that go on for a long time. Um I would I would guess and I haven't gone back to count this, but I would guess that about half of the credits in this are just Carmel Barrett and Garish Patel, the producer and director, because of how many like different hats they had to wear. Composer Garish Patel, quote unquote, wrote the script, mostly just copy pasting lines out of A Christmas Carol and then a few other tasty additions. Um, Then they both they're both credited as like like editors and uh film directors and did you, you can tell that your, they wait whoa did you just in your head put the film directors in quotes around what they did for this movie because yeah they're yeah they're just credited as a lot of things and it's really funny so <laughs> Jesus Louise. so then we uh <laughs> oh another funny thing is so the snow effect is still happening and the snow is actually falling both like on top of the letterboxing on the top and bottom of the screen. So like they couldn't format the snow to only fall on the video. It's falling across the letterboxing as, as though it's like between you and the screen. It's, it's really wild. And if I haven't mentioned this yet, please let's make sure we get this across. There is no snow in this rustic dark ages village set in the 1800-1795. There's no snow on the ground anywhere. In fact, it looks pretty nice out besides yeah. the snow effect. Yeah. Oh. God. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a little while trying to figure out if this was actually just like footage from a video game and I couldn't find it, but I do think it's just like a, a some asset. Oh. So uh, and this brings us to the counting house. Okay. So oh, you real have... quick, you can cut this if you want, but this is something I noticed. When they went to the final credit directed by the schmuck, there were six names that popped up behind his name on a frame. I just wrote down these names, but it's Chelsea, Dan, Lucy, Joe, 
another Dan and a Dominic, I believe. I don't know if those were the original people that like designed this intro that he just stole this from, but they, they, there's six names that just are there for a, a second and then go fade right to black. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to take too much long with this movie, so I didn't get the last names down, but if you watch this movie, pause it right at the director's thing as it fades out, goes slow-mo and it's like, what are those six names? Were they sacrificed to make this movie? Were they the original editors of this? I wow. have no idea. Is it a different font than the other credits? Uh, I, I, from my memory, yes. It's definitely more closer to whatever the style of, of the intro was, not right. the snow effect and what the director and filmmaker and every other freaking thing on this movie did put over it. That's wild. So this might, he might've just like completely ripped this off. Amazon prime $3 friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can rent it. You can rent it. I literally almost bought it because it's so bad. I was like, I want I might want to own this forever. Uh, I, I, no, 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 no. I don't want this. In, I, 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 if I buy this, there's going to be so much more other horrible stuff thrown at me by Amazon. True. And I don't need Amazon throwing me anything. All right. This is, by the way, not the only low-budget Christmas Carol that's on Amazon Prime. And, and... No, I I know because when I, <laughs> I when I was looking for it, I saw the other options, John, and I was kind of mad because I was like, he's gonna make me watch these. He's gonna make me watch these. Who? Um. <laughs> so <laughs> so we go to the county house. <laughs> I'm losing Bob my is, mind here. Dude. Bob is Bob is continuing to write in his in his pre-written in book, and and Scrooge is kind of doing the same. Scrooge's prop looks a little bit more authentic, I thought. His prop book. If if, if look, we're comparing apples to you know pineapples here. Sure, fine. I don't know, yeah. man. This yeah. it's it's all horrible to me at this point. <laughs> yeah. And and here we get the first major change. Okay. I so got, yeah, go 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 go. So a a nun enters the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Now, John, this is where I have to go to another level of this movie. Last night, I had a nightmare. Oh, and no. in that nightmare, there was a nun. I have... Oh. I have never had nightmares about nuns before my life. I have no idea where that came from because I hadn't seen any like nun stuff around me anytime soon. But last night, a nun came to me in my dream and explained to me what nuns do and what their relationship with Jesus is. I got that in all my brain last night, primed for this. And when she walked onto the screen, I almost flipped my script and left the damn room. This is not, there's some sort of magic or mojo around this that I don't like, dude. This is yeah. it's scary. Yeah. So, um, so I don't want to make a blanket statement by saying that this, this movie was like filmed in Ireland with an all Irish cast, but there is a very like Catholic Jesus undertone to this movie, a, a motif that is very strong of Jesus and like Christian salvation, as opposed to the more vague, be a good person kind of redemption that we see usually in a Christmas Carol. Well, it's it's like, usually not like explicitly, explicitly religious. It's like religion adjacent. This is religious, this movie. Right. They're arguing for more of like, because of Christmas and the season, this is part of the joy that can come with it. Right. And it's kind of more, I don't want to say generic, but it's just kind of more like 
every denomination, everybody can be a part of it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this nun is both the charity collectors and Fred, right? They basically take all the charity collectors' lines and all of... and most of Fred's lines for this scene and sort of mash them up and give them to this nun. So they have this conversation that like broadly makes sense. But if you really think about it, doesn't, it's very weird. And when you say take all, they take all of the charity collector stuff. So dumping Fred stuff on top of it, this nun is in Scrooge's office for far too long. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, It's a very long scene. What's funny about it is so the, all of the shots, again, of the characters are extreme close-up. I am convinced that none of these people were in the same room. I would be... It's either one of two things, right? It's either that theory, right? That neither of them were in the same room. Or, and this is even sadder, all three of them were in the same room at the same time. And one of them had to be on camera. And one of them had to be holding a light or something. Or maybe the script. Like they were all three in the same room. But it was such a small room. That they couldn't film two people in one shot either. Like both are possible. Because this is. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, There are shots of this nun. Both in like a full kind of side profile. And also like an almost face onto the camera. Like. I don't know. I don't I don't know the correct filmmaking terms, but like she's versions where she's sort of mostly facing the camera or like a two thirds and versions where it's like in her profile and they are clearly shot in different locations under different lighting conditions. Oh, man. So when it cuts back and forth from like her her two thirds face to her profile, you can tell that they're different. Like the sound even sounds different because the the sound behaves differently in the different rooms that they're filming in. Do we know if this was released pre-COVID or post-COVID? Oh, I don't know. I could go I could go look that up. Because it's possible that part of the deal with this movie was let's film our stuff at our own houses and cobble it together. I'm not so, trying I mean yeah, it, that's possible. I mean, that's how bad of like the location matching you're saying. I didn't really notice it because my brain was on fire. But like if there's that much of like you think if if your theory is right that it's they're all in separate locations when they do their filming and it's only their household members filming each other. That would make a lot of sense for why there's a lot of, well, that would answer a lot of questions actually. Yeah. There's definitely though, I would say for a lot of this, there is one person who's like controlling the camera because of the way, like, all of these close up shots and weird Dutch angles that this movie has are very consistent throughout. Consistently bad. Yeah. Yeah. But consistently bad in the same ways. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a funny detail. Scrooge is wearing his wedding ring. I, I was going to say, I didn't notice it till the end, but it's on, it, it, unless they reverse shots at one point, it, I think it's on the wrong hand. I think it's on the right hand, which is not where you're supposed to have. But I would it, be totally unsurprised if they reverse shots, though. That's why I'm Because it's definitely a wedding ring. It, right. Well, it's it's either the wedding ring or he's take he's Bilbo Baggins taking it, you know, from the Lonely Mountain. Now he's back in the Shire and he's waiting because he's old. So he's not Frodo. So somewhere his nephew's going to show up. He's going to give them the ring. And then oh, Gandalf's going to show up and say, put it in the fire. And then God, he's going to be like. going to be the longest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for cutting me off from my Lord of the Rings recap rant because I You're don't want to talk about this, John. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to do it. <laughs> so, um, uh, 
there's yeah so the nun who by the way is played by carmel barrett i don't know if i mentioned that this is the producer well yeah yeah <laughs> it's it, i mean and i say oh yeah because everybody in this movie is either related to each other mm-hmm. or clearly just a friend of the family or at least it gives that vibe with a few exceptions and we'll yeah. go to, and we'll I will note those performances when they come up but most of these people just seem to be friends of family yeah, yeah, I almost imagine. So it says he's a teacher at a school, and I have a feeling that some of like the kids in this are students and like their parents. Oh like, no, John, he's a teacher. Yeah, the director oh, of this. Yeah, we're bagging on this poor guy. You know, someone's gonna Google his name and find this podcast, and like, oh, I feel bad for the teacher now. <laughs> it, well, it, his name is out there though. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, but now he are... he lists himself as a filmmaker. Like if you Google right, him, screw him, so, then. Yeah. Screw him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's um, not. <laughs> yeah. The nun, instead of it being like that whole line about Fred falling in love, uh, when Scrooge asked this nun, like, why did she get married? Which is a very weird thing. It makes no sense for her, for him to ask this nun. And I was like, so is the nun his niece? But no, there's no relationship. No, there's no relationship, but John, I swear, in my dream the night before, that same conversation came up about, like, so is, like, Jesus your boyfriend? Or, like, what's up? It was, a, I'm not trying to offend, like, that's what was happening in my brain, like, that type of, like, free-flowing conversation with my nun dream. And then something not too far off was actually put on film, and, yeah, yeah. wait a minute, what am I saying? Film. This is digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... She's like, I fell in love with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's sort and okay. and that's the first indication you get, like, at many points along the way, things that were vaguely moral or vaguely religious are going to be explicitly connected to Jesus um, it, in multiple different ways. So um, the God, there's like so much here. The Scrooge and Marley sign is like clearly printed on a piece of cardboard and like hung above the door because it uses like just one of the basic fancy fonts from Microsoft Word. Hey, John, that's pretty fancy for 1795, though. Come on now, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Um, it, it's. Uh, Folks, I'm getting comfortable <sighs> right now because we are in for the long haul with this one. I yeah. just want to point out. You chose this. I did. Well, and there's stuff later on. Like, I think it's getting through this opening is tough because it's just such a weird slog to get through. Oh, um, so the, the nun leaves and yeah. and not before Scrooge, like, does that echoey voice and thunderclap at her a couple of times, which happens frequently. But again, the actors are clearly not actually speaking to each other. So it's just people reading lines back and forth there's the conversation happens between between bob and scrooge and there's a really funny cut where scrooge like turns and walks away and then it cuts back to bob and then it cuts back to scrooge and and scrooge is back in the place he was before he walked away like it's a weird like error in like the way that it's cut um and scrooge yells at bob to get out with the with the uh uh echoey voice and the thunder and stuff so bob puts on his scarf and leaves and then he pauses in the street with an extreme close up of like a wall of some building to to have a kind of an internal monologue about how he wishes that he could afford to to help little Lucy. OK, OK, to so, get well. So little Lucy is sick. That's our say, tiny Tim in this movie. Did they say little Lucy at that moment? Because I just yeah. heard I just heard Lucy. Maybe they did mention it. But like the rest of it up until the end, they just say Lucy 
and I'm pulling my hair like, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make Lucy our tiny Tim, you got to say little Lucy. It just, it's the, it's clear. It's right yeah. there. And they do yeah. it. They do get to it. And then maybe they did, they did it here, but like they don't use it as often as they should. What's not clear uh, at this moment is whether or not little Lucy is in fact human. Because when, <laughs> when Bob mentions little Lucy, it flashes to footage of like a small, like toy breed dog and someone's petting the dog, but it focuses in on the dog in such a way as to make you believe that little Lucy is in fact a dog. And it does it twice in the scene when he mentions little Lucy. So the, the, the mise-en-scene is telling us, you know, little Lucy in this version is a dog, which I would argue lowers the stakes a little bit. (laughs) I was dreading. I was dreading the ghost of Christmas present. When, like, the dog would have to do something to justify Scrooge. Spirit, tell me, will this dog live? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so worried that, because in my mind, look, you're exactly right. They establish visually that L- Lucy is the dog, right? Because we go to a shot, and a, sta- a shot of a dog as they're talking about this Lucy character. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the character, but usually that's a good indication. And then they do it again. So, like, I have been told by this movie, like you said, this is Lucy. And then after that, we get a sick kid in a bathrobe or whatever. And it's just. Well, right. And and so this is a, this is an example of a thing this movie does a lot, which is to to try to build up suspense or mystery around the appearance of characters <sighs> by by like belaboring, actually putting them on screen. So by just taking a very long time for a character to appear and it is it is almost always hugely disappointing because there's nothing all that exceptional about like what any of the characters look like or their significance to the plot um so we get some more footage of like ye oldie times and as bob is walking home so we get some more of that like bootleg video game footage this movie is so inaccurate of what period they're trying to set it makes medieval times the restaurant show seem historically accurate like yeah like that seems like a real retelling of the dark ages medieval times and oh and again i can't like these people set out with a very small budget to make an independent film version of a christmas carol you can't fault them for like not having the most historically accurate stuff because that's intensely expensive to do and it's why like period shows always get canceled because they're so expensive to make but it is really jarring in this movie that is like really begging you to take it very seriously when every costume is like clearly from a Halloween store and none of the locations look accurate. And let's talk about where Bob's house is. Cause that's what's coming up next. Oh, well, okay. So Bob's house, um, as you can see from the establishing shot is in the middle of uh Hyrule. Uh, and it's in the woods. It's in it the woods. Just, it's straight it's up in the, in, it's the in fantasy kingdom of Hyrule from the legend the fa- of Zelda. The famous Camden town woods. <laughs> but if you can look at the window into the house, you see that, uh, inside the house is hell. There is a raging fire inside of the house. Just, always going and you don't see anything else besides hellfire emanating outside of the window and also the house so it's the footage of the woods is like it's like a stock photo of some woods and then they have superimposed a very low-res cgi house with like a snowy roof into this live footage so for starters it's not in like a slum in the middle of the city right 
it's in the woods, which is a very odd choice. And it just, again, it speaks to like the, I think there's a misunderstanding about the setting and time period and so much about what this story is on the part of the filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> like, John, you're not saying anything like revolutionary here clearly they didn't know what the hell they were doing yeah because i'm sure like you can go someplace in county cork ireland and find like a a relatively old-fashioned looking house on like a slummy street that would work as an establishing shot for this house but they go through like the extra effort of of putting this cgi house in the middle of the woods as though bob cratchit lived in a like christmas cottage somewhere it's so bizarre to me it's it's this hubris here. Like we're going to have as big of a budget Christmas Carol movie as, as, as Hollywood, we're going to get the cottage. We're going to get the city street crane shot. We're going to get the costumes when you can't get any of them. Okay. And like, there's a phrase I like to use that was put forward by the professional wrestling booker, Paul Heyman, when he had a very low budget wrestling company in the mid nineties accentuate the positives hide the negatives okay what are your positive here you got a crew of people willing to do anything honestly okay so have them wear modern clothing set it in a modern setting or go with more of an abstract location but the more you try to make this any type of period you're failing at it all yeah yeah it it ultimately hurts it so um we get like you know, Bob going home and so much of this movie is just shots of people staring at each other and not talking. Mrs. Cratchit does not have a line of dialogue in this movie. No, but the she's actress got a look. does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Never mind. I was going to say she's got a look though. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So the, the actress who plays her will have dialogue in this movie. Oh, Spoilers for something that's going to happen later. I knew but, it was her. I knew it before they even saw yeah. the credits. I was like, that's the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these shots of like Bob Cratchit when he's at home are like, like a weird close up of Bob's face that makes him look like a, like a maniac. Like, the way it's shot, it makes it look like I'm watching like Split or whatever that multiple personalities movie was that came out a little while ago. Um, See, my mind goes to late night Adult Swim, like trying to make me oh think yeah. this was an infomercial or something. Like yeah, 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 yeah totally. Like this looks like on purpose trying to be so bad it's funny type of stuff, or like really pushing whatever type of envelope. It's not that. It is just that bad. <laughs> yeah and it's funny because he'll be talking to mrs cratchit and she'll just be staring at him with this kind of like grim face and i have a theory here i think that all of the shots of mrs cratchit were like shots of like after little lucy has died and they just didn't bother to film anything else so she always has this look on her face like something horrible has just happened but it always kind of comes across more like she's annoyed than anything else which makes bob's like like the way that bob is acting it 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 almost makes it seem like she like hates him and it's very, it's unintentional, but it's really funny. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The actor playing Bob Cratchit Mm -hmm. is the other half of this creative team, correct? No. All right. So is the, is the other half in this movie? We can cut this part, but so are you talking, so Carmel Barrett, we've already seen. And I know what he plays later on. Uh... Well, no, 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 no. Carmel Barrett, the the producer is, was the nun. Oh God, this is so complicated. Yeah, she was the nun. So Garish Patel, we're we're gonna see in a couple minutes because he's also definitely in this movie. Okay, okay, never mind. The, yeah. Oh, what hot garbage is this? 
Yeah. So we do learn in this scene that little Lucy is not, in fact, a dog, but is a little girl that was petting the dog and and has COVID, I guess. Coronavirus! Like, she, she has a dry cough. She's kind of hanging out by a very modern-looking Christmas tree. With, a, uh, with, with stockings that say snow with a funny, like, frosty on it. Like, this yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. 1795, people. 1795. Yeah. Mrs. Cratchit just has, like, a blanket kind of wrapped around her shoulders, and I think it's supposed to be a shawl, but it's, like, so clearly not... <laughs> It's like polyester. It's so um, bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Also, the way you can kind of tell by like the piece of furniture that's in the background, but like you can tell that Bob and Mrs. Cratchit are not sitting like across a table from each other. They're just sitting in the same corner, but facing a different direction for their shots because the same piece of furniture is in the background, just oriented slightly differently. <laughs> So it's like, we'll shoot Bob's part. Okay, now swap him out. Put Mrs. Cratchit in. We'll shoot her part. And then we'll just go back and forth that oh, way. Oh, God. I can't take this, John. We're, we're not even to the ghosts yet. I know. So, well, let's move on because, like, we don't get a knocker scene. There's, like, a two-second shot of a door knocker. But there is no, like, Scrooge doesn't see the face in the knocker or anything yep. like that. What we do get is a really nice, like, David Lynch close-up of Scrooge eating gruel out of, like, a pot from a Walmart. So let's talk about this scene because friends, he's eating rice or oatmeal. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean that oatmeal is what should be. I don't. We have no idea what it is, but I can tell you what. But I don't talk about sound work, like you know, fully work on this podcast too much. But the sound effect for Scrooge eating, which we get. Oh, if you were worried, we weren't going to hear what Scrooge's chewing sound like. Don't yeah. be worried, friends. We're, we got all of it for you. Nothing <laughs> b- nothing better than an octogenarian eating oatmeal very close to a microphone. But he's, but like the sound you would think of it is like a, a mushy sound, right? Yeah. That's not what we get. We get crunch and crunch and it's the grossest ASMR stuff I have ever heard in my life. And I will never forgive you, John. I will never yeah. forgive you for that. Ugh. It's definitely, it's got to be the worst. The the I mean, oh. there's a lot of bad things to watch and look at in this movie. That's, this has to be the worst one. There's one thing that grosses me out more, and I can say it now because it shows up more than once, but it's the extreme close-up of Scrooge's face and seeing the little vein muscles around his nose. Oh, yeah. Just like, and I don't mean to make fun of an old man because we're all going to get there, but... You don't need to put that right up in the camera. Yeah, the extreme close-ups are of of Scrooge in particular because he's just he's very elderly and Ugh. it's unfortunate. And and um, you don't do I'm, that to I'm a gonna, friend. I'm gonna I'm gonna you cut don't... a lot of our ageism out of this. Well, no, no, you don't do that to a friend. You don't be yeah. like you're gonna be Scrooge. Let me get right up in your nose. Yeah, yeah, for real. So, so Scrooge, so we were introduced to this like trio of weird little tchotchkes that Scrooge has. There's like a little weird teapot and there's like a, like a a little sand model sandpiper bird that you would get at like the Jersey shore. And, and there's a Sphinx, like a Jade Sphinx. And Scrooge is kind of like looking at the three of them as the clock ticks. And, and every now and then you hear this sound of like, like, it sounds like stone being dragged on stone. I think it's supposed to be a chain, but it definitely isn't what it sounds like. No, no. Uh, When you think of a chain, you think of something like I'm dangling a little chain right now. Yeah. No, you get, this is other, this is, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's not a chain. 
it's like a sarcophagus grinding open or something kind of yeah it's weird and it's and it's one in like a long list of just like really lazy bad sound effects that just are on some free software somewhere probably they're probably sound effects that are in whatever editing suite he was using to edit this right like after effects or whatever it is yeah and look i'm always applauding people trying to you know new things and to stretch themselves and make your dreams real but no this no don't don't if you're your sound is the hardest thing to get right in 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 uh visual media and, yeah. and, and podcasts john you can talk about this getting sound right is way yeah. harder than a lot of other if, things if anyone can tell me how to do that please let me know <laughs> We'll get there eventually, I feel like. But um, so so let's let's get to Marley. Enough beating around the bush. So there's this CGI door with a very bright light shining through it, which we we see close like the door closes and then it cuts back to Scrooge and he's looking over with absolutely zero emotion or anything on his face. And then the door opens again. And. It's very weird that it closes and then opens. And then there's this like smoke swirly, like psychedelic smoke effect that happens. When you were a child, did you ever play with the screen servers on your computer, John? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Then you have also done uh, the same amount of work for the special effects of this scene. That is what has happened here. They have taken filters for some sort of screen server program and just laid them over our Jacob Marley. Yeah. And our Jacob Marley sucks. Yeah. It's pretty bad. So this is, I, I am almost positive. This is Garish Patel. There isn't actually a credit for Jacob Marley in the credits at the end, which I thought was weird. He's that self-aware. If... He's at least self-aware enough to know not to put his name on that part. <laughs> to be honest with you, though, with like the weird oversights in this movie, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they literally just missed it. Like they got his name in because he he's going to appear in another role later in the movie. But he's he, you it, again. It's a close up of his face. Right. And it's got this weird like like kind of wavy filter that looks like smoke or like that kind of like heat distortion almost. And. And he is holding up chains in his hands, like a necklace or something, yeah. right? Close to the camera. So and and kind of like rattling it back and forth so it looks like it's moving in front of the camera. It reminded me a lot of like in Ed Wood when when Bella Lugosi is like moving the octopus arms to make it look like the prop is alive. Um <laughs> How, you know what? It's very appropriate that we mentioned Ed Wood because, yeah, this is, man, yeah. poor Ed Wood got a bad rap. <laughs> yeah, the, Plan 9 is a masterpiece compared to this. So, Oh, um, gosh. Plan 9 is at least a coherent story for the most part. There is one point in this sequence, and, and I mean, the conversation is basically, like, there's nothing extra special about it. What is funny... Bad- it's just a bad version of the scene we've already seen a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. So, and Scrooge, Scrooge is making this like really weird face. Like it's like I think it's supposed to be he's afraid, but instead it looks like he's like pooed his pants, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Poop my pants. <laughs> um. Oh no, no! Every scene, I'm just gonna think Scrooge there. You know, just going yeah. over to the ghost. Gonna go home. Poop my pants. <laughs> 
god this was this was such a mistake so there is one point in this where the distortion and smoke effect cuts out for like a second before it cuts away to scrooge so it's just the guy's face holding up the chains and without the filter (laughs) i'm done film editing i know it's hard but you can literally take the little thing and just go from here on one side just go a little bit to the left and cut the freaking seconds. Yeah. Just, oh. Yeah. Or cut away. Yeah. But when that's what happens, he cuts away, but like he doesn't, they just don't quite drag out. It's like, it's like one or two frames that they don't quite catch. Oh. It's very funny. I, oh. I laughed out loud when I saw it. Um, oh God, Chad, why God, why? <laughs> so there's no phantoms in the night in this sequence. It just kind of, he just sort of dematerializes at a well, certain point. When you've got an amazing CGI crew like this, don't you think you're going to really go for it? With God, the can you imagine what it would look like if they actually did it? You know, it would be funny if they just took footage from Patrick Stewart's A Christmas Carol, just put it right there, but yeah. it's got like a Sega CD filter through it. So it's just like one eighth of the screen size in the middle yeah. of it, all compressed <laughs> down and everything. <laughs> we're playing sewer shark on this thing (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah and and again i don't i want to stress this every shot in this movie is an extreme close-up every single one and what's funny is there's a shot here of scrooge when he's talking to marley and he's holding this candle and we're gonna see like scrooge talking to characters much later in the movie and it's clearly this same shot and this same thing of him holding the candle so i don't know what the logic was of like how they filmed this if they were just like okay we're just gonna have him read as many of his lines as he can standing here in this pose and then we'll do it again in this pose There, truly like the continuity is 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 so poorly handled that it almost ceases to be and and this all becomes this like fever dream which I mean, you could push it that far and just be like, this is our artistic choice, but it's clearly also not the artistic choice. We have got to take a, a sanity break and pay our clerk before getting back into this, uh, before we we buckle up to talk about the, the, <laughs> the ghosts of Christmas past. So stick around, folks. <laughs> we'll be right back with this nightmare. I won't. I'm leaving. <laughs> Put that gun down, John. <laughs> Told you I don't want to do this. If I stopped you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me ill-used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Tears hmm? only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December.
Hi, everybody. If you're anything like me, you've been listening to podcasts pretty much as long as podcasts have been a thing, and you've always dreamed that one day you would find a topic you were really passionate about, and you would make that dream podcast yourself. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, when everybody and their mom and their mom's dog has a podcast, and there are so many different podcast hosting platforms to choose from, it can be a little bit difficult to find something that fits both your needs and your budget. And that is where Anchor comes in. If you are someone just breaking into the podcast scene and you're looking for a place to uh, get started hosting your podcast, Anchor is a great choice. For starters, it's totally free. There's no charge to host the files that you need for your podcast. It also has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you're someone who hasn't broken into using GarageBand or Audacity or a more professional program to record your podcast... Anchor has all of the tools you need to record right from your phone or computer. Anchor also provides seamless distribution to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so it's really easy for you to reach a broad audience. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, you can do so with no minimum listenership through Anchor. Just record an ad and put a sponsorship segment in your show, and you're good to go. It's everything that you need to make a podcast right in one place. If you want to get started recording that podcast you've always dreamed about today, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You ever wish you could learn just a bit more about the world but have no idea where to start? Well, I know how you feel. And that's what the Assorted Goods Podcast is here for. Join Dan, me, a bad student turned curious mind who's just trying to get a tiny bit smarter as he gets a little older. Every episode, I pick a big topic or idea, do a little research, see what I find, and then I pass it all along to you. It's a podcast for anyone who's too damn busy to do the research. It's what I'm here for. So stop by Assorted Goods, have a listen, and join me on my journey to figure out the world one story at a time. Find Assorted Goods wherever you get your podcast, and I'll see you there. We we are unfortunately back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John John's uh, John's a quick draw right there. Got me to stay, and I uh, couldn't leave. Could yeah. not leave. Um, wanted well, wanted if, to if, leave. Wanted to leave. <laughs> couldn't leave. Well, if you've stuck in there, desperate um, to leave. <laughs> couldn't leave. Scrooge is sleeping in his bed. Uh-huh. Um, it it. it we get a, like a cut to total darkness after Jacob Marley disappears, which is something that this filmmaker does a lot, which is baffling is these weird cuts to like a couple seconds of just black and then cut back to whatever's going on. Um, this is called B roll. They needed some coverage there and they didn't have any of it. So go to black. Yeah. Um, so he's in his bed and we see the same clock tower from like the opening shot of the movie, but this time it's, nighttime because they've put a little bit of a of a dark they've just turned down the saturation and it's a little bit dark the cheapest thing you can do as a low budget filmmaker is shoot day for night it's the worst thing you can do this movie loves shooting day for night there's so much day for night in this and it's bad day for night because it's just darker it's just like black it's not like blue you know how sometimes they do blue instead of it's black and it looks slightly better I'm also going to pose it the theory that sometimes they just didn't white balance and that's what's causing the blue filter effect 
because for people that don't know in filmmaking, um, when you're a when you're turning on your camera and getting everything adjusted to the lighting, you need to do a thing called white balancing, which is you take a blank piece of white paper, you point it at the camera, the camera then learns what white is. You hit white balancing, there's a white balancing button, and now it knows what white is, and then all the other colors can be adjusted accordingly, right? It knows how to interpret the other ones. If you don't do it, you get some really weird color filters over your stuff. So anything that you've seen that's on digital that's like really blue, that tends to be because people don't white balance. Yeah. So the the ghost of uh Christmas present or Christmas past shows up. And the, so I don't remember, do they do the door here again? Or no, there's like a sparkly like lens flare flare effect or something. Like some weird like dancing colorful lights. And when yeah. I say dancing colorful lights, what I mean is like it cuts to like a second of these lights shimmering and then back to Scrooge and then a second of these lights shimmering and back to Scrooge. And you can tell every time it cuts back to the lights that it's the same like three second clip and they're just cutting back to Scrooge so that they don't have to figure out how to loop it because it clearly wouldn't loop. Their, their Windows 2000 computer could only render that effect for three seconds. So they had three seconds to use. And yeah. that's all they got. Yeah. Um, so there are, from the time Scrooge looks over at where the Ghost of Christmas Past is, and then the camera cuts back to the Ghost of Christmas Past and slowly begins like panning up from the floor to reveal her face, um, and then she says her first line, 18 cuts. And here's what, I, when I say 18 cuts, what I mean is it, it cuts from Scrooge's face to the ghost 18 times, which means there's actually twice that many, like, cuts, or <sighs> twice that many pieces of footage that are, like, a couple seconds long of Scrooge, Scrooge making a weird face and the camera panning up a little bit more and Scrooge making a weird face and the camera panning up a little bit more and Scrooge making a weird face and then it's the spirit's face and she has the most, like... I don't want to be here. I'm just kind of here because like, I guess she's trying to look enigmatic or something, but it's just coming off as like, I'm a bored teenager. And this the poor performer, this actor, or it might not even be an actor, but this poor person is thrown a medieval dress. Yeah. It's a Renaissance fair costume. And is told to be the ghost of Christmas pass. Yeah. I I feel so bad for this person. They, she has very modern looking like pink lipstick and eyeshadow and like very heavy like pancake makeup as well. Like so the makeup is for this is definitely not good. And no one else in this movie really is wearing like no. a ton of makeup. So it kind of stands out on this character. She, this woman is in the other movie that that this producer director team made 59. I saw her in like a clip from it in the background of a GoFundMe video. Oh God, that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, no. But so this is not the first thing that she's done with this team. And honestly, she's one of the better performers in this movie. Like she's, she's. Yeah, her mono her monotone is slightly less monotone than everyone else's monotone. And it kind of works for the Ghost of Christmas Pass. Right. And We've talked it, about that before. Right. Like it. It. You got to. I mean, I, I can buy it from the Ghost of Christmas Pass. The problem is that her costume makes. No sense because, as always, Scrooge says, "Are you the ghost of all Christmas past?" Or and she's like, "Of yours, you know." So yeah. When yours just happens to be a you know Renaissance, Renaissance theme past, right? Like what the like I was like, what the heck is this? And uh, oh God. yeah, there's no symbolism to it. They just went with like generic princess. It's a very weird choice. Um, 
so like I said, there's 18 cuts before either of them speak. Uh, they never appear in a frame together and we never see more than like their face because this, this movie almost never films outside of a close-up. And I'm going to stop talking about that, but I have notes about it all throughout this movie because it's constantly happening. It's bad. Let's, well, let's put a, let's put a nail in it before we put it to bed. But here's the thing. When you do extreme close-ups, you're either doing it because you have to really like, you're trying to say something with that shot, right? Or the reason why they did it, they had no sets. They had no sets. And yeah. they and so to cover that, they just show as little of the surrounding area of the actors as possible. And it, there's not one thing that destroys this movie. It's a thousand things. Yeah. But yeah. this is maybe the biggest one because you, you can't enjoy the film because you feel claustrophobic the entire time. You're just right up there in the grill with everybody and you don't want to be there. And yeah. We're done with that part of the film, but trust me, every scene we mention has one of these in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they they like the camera flashes and they cut to some park somewhere, right? And <laughs> there's there's a few like establishing shots of the area that are working very hard to hide. Like clearly, there are like modern people there. You can kind of see in like the corner of a couple shots. They're at these unintentional Dutch angles. Like whoever was holding this camera was not trying to keep it level or steady in any way. So it's They it's, probably weren't even looking through the the monitor. They probably weren't seeing the dang thing. They're just like Yeah. They're kind of in shot. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. And and not like the shots of the characters, but just like the of the overall environment. Really, really rough. Um and then we see uh, Scrooge's old school, which is a shot of the very top of a very of a clearly modern building. And they definitely couldn't shoot like any lower than that because there's probably like some signage or something on the school building that they were trying to cut out. Um, oh, God, it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And, and Scrooge does some like really like i've n literally never acted before acting putting his hands on his face and doing clearly like someone's just directing him to like do things in the moment and he's trying yeah like he he's really like he's told to be happy he's trying to be happy because he's at his old school but it reads i don't want to say like alien because it's not quite that it just reads it, feel, it feels like he's seen other people act like this way before and he's trying to interpret it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It's Which weird. is mean. I don't, I don't like this, John. I don't like being mean to people, especially when they're just a bunch of schlubs making a movie with their friends. Yeah. But damn it. If they're not failing really bad. Um, so we they they go into the building um and go into is generous because like the the way characters move through space in this movie you can never really tell like when they're moving because it's all very vague right um and scrooge doesn't recognize his younger self and this is interesting so this is like a place where like a kind of major change is made i mean We've already seen a couple of major changes, but like yeah, mostly just like mostly just like cutting stuff and truncating stuff. This is like a a change to the plot. So there's this this actor who plays young Scrooge is all right. He's just mm -hmm. like some kid. Um, and his sister comes in 
who's not a good actress at all. She's really terrible. No. Right. She's clearly just some kid doing like middle school level acting. She's asking him to come home and he's like, why should I come home so father can beat me some more? Which is very explicit. Like they never really were that explicit about what was going on with Scrooge and his father in the text. And and she's talking about how he's like different than he used to be and such and such. And young Scrooge sends his sister away and doesn't follow her. And he's like, it's pointless. I'm not going to go back there. I'm going to stay here um, and I'm going to make something of myself. I want to see a better version of Christmas Carol make this choice. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I was I was like, I was like, OK, OK, that's interesting. Keep going. Keep doing interesting things. Yeah. And then they went too far. <laughs> well, right. So. um, So he sends her away and it's a good plot beat. I do, I do think, it, it, again, it's like it's demonstrating their misunderstanding of what's happening in the story, though, like. Scrooge isn't choosing to stay at school, right? He's staying there because his father's making him, right? Right, and it's not—it's not like he's doing something there to better himself. He's not like some like out in the world trying to make it. He's just some kid who's stuck there because his father won't let him come home. And we don't have the sympathy that we usually have for Scrooge because when we go to the school, we normally get a very young, establishing Scrooge shot of like. Yeah. Lonely young Scrooge in a classroom somewhere, maybe reading Alibaba, maybe not, but definitely by himself. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, well, because we hopefully you have some empathy in your damn life, listener, and you're on his side at that moment. So if you do a little bit more of that and maybe establish what life would be like to Scrooge leading up to a middle school, high school student Scrooge saying, F you, father, I'm not coming back. Just because, you yeah. you know, just because you have found salvation or whatever the daughter's talking about here. Like, like, that's. A yeah. Good yeah. And that's what it is. Like, the father has, like, found Jesus. So right. he's he's become a better person. But Scrooge rejects it. And it's interesting because it, it changes the dynamics of, like, the whole thing that's going on with him at that moment. Which would be a really interesting thing to really grasp with. Like, imagine if Scrooge never reconnects with his father and we get like a deathbed scene that Scrooge doesn't go to his bed or something like that. Like, yeah. Okay. That's okay. We could, I'm, I am down for like these weird choices. Cause we never get Scrooge's dad. Yeah. Just play with like the, the, the motivations and things, but this will come back later in a way that is, is kind of like, we'll, we'll talk about it. So, yeah. Oh, and then um, just in case, uh, just in case you really need to be beat over the head with symbolism in this movie, after his sister leaves, young Scrooge takes out a recorder and starts playing the same song that that kid was playing in the alleyway at the beginning that he told to piss off as if to be like, Scrooge was once like that, but now he's a mean old man. And it's like, I didn't need it, but okay, it's there. And spoiler warning, friends, that never comes back. Not once in the movie does Scrooge yeah, no. play the recorder or reconcile with the, that kid that was playing the recorder in the opening of the movie. If later, if you could do this, okay, you could do the same type of intro with a kid playing the recorder. Scrooge in the past sees the recorder scene, ending shot of the movie. Scrooge is sitting down in front of his house with his recorder, and the kids got his, and they do a carol together. And they do that, and all the townspeople come around, which would be really cool because then it wouldn't be about the money Scrooge has, but the joy in his heart that he's celebrating the season. That yeah. would be a really cool message, especially in a movie where you're not really going with the you're going with the faith angle here. Like you're really going about like 
they're so close to something. Yeah. And yet so far it is. And, and yeah. And just like confusing, like the character development is all over the place because at this moment, like the spirit is kind of talking to Scrooge about like how much his sister loves him, but she like died alone and unloved or something like that. Actually, no, that's going to come back later. Um, but Scrooge is like, what does one need with another when all one needs is money? And and there's like thunder and lightning. So, and, and this is right after he's been like very sympathetic to his young self for being alone, even though his young self is choosing to be alone. So I don't know why he's being sympathetic. It doesn't make any sense. And so uh, there's a transition, like a flash, the flashy lights play and Scrooge is in this like weird fisheye lens that it seems to be like they were like oh here's a cool thing we can do let's just put it here and it makes his his like very like big long nose look even bigger and longer because it's like in this weird fisheye and at this moment i have not seen jim carrey's a christmas carol okay i've seen a couple of scenes on cable here and there but i haven't seen the full thing i'm guessing that something like this has happened in the jim carrey movie where his body gets manipulated or something and he looks all jim carrey rubber face man like and that's what they're trying to do here because they've seen that movie i'm i don't have it i don't know if that does happen in the movie but i'm trying to remember but i interesting guess but i'm guessing that's and you know what if not if this really stupid because that makes no sense then but you know what even makes sense what's about to happen yeah so the spirit points him up at this at this bell tower and again it's never clear why anyone's doing anything because it's a lot of just like looking and pointing and and people making hard to read faces and then i guess that there's like another like lighting effect and then they're inside the tower i guess because she pointed at this clock tower i don't know why it's unclear and then she points and and there's this hilarious effect of like a CGI treasure chest, which and again, all of these CGI effects look like like you're playing a mist game or something like it all looks like really hokey, old school, like mid 90s graphics like in 1992. A point and click adventure game by Sierra Mist. Oh, Sierra misses a drink, Jimmy, not Sierra, the company that made video <laughs> games. Okay, so a game that made by Sierra or LucasArts, you know, one of those companies, they wanted to show off what they could do. So they would use like a like a video file intro or something for their their game and then go to their, you know, pixelated artwork for the rest of the game. This is what happens here. A CGI scene just thrown in the middle of it, completely animated. Yeah. And in it is this treasure box of memories so so and here's the thing right so what this clearly is is supposed to be a transition effect for like introducing like like the treasure chest opens and you go look inside the treasure chest and the film clip is there like you're watching an episode of barney and what they do is just play that clip with the green screen in the bottom of the chest <laughs> right the green screen is meant there to be like you're gonna take out the green screen and put in your effect and that's why it's there they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, they just leave the green screen there. And Scrooge is staring into this chest. And audience, dear listeners, ah! I, need you, I need you. I need you to sit down and just 
take in what we're about to describe next, because up until this point, this has been a a bad but fairly conventional version of A Christmas Carol. Nothing that unusual, right? Some creative license taken with how to portray certain things, characters turned into other characters, but like ultimately it's been this old man in Victorian London being guided around by ghosts for his redemption. Right. And what this turns into is like one of those Facebook dramatic, ironic teen stories. Like, you know, those stories where it's like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of one. Fault in Our Stars? No, I'm not even. Well, it is. So I guess Fault in Our Stars is like, like tonally what happens here. But uh, let's, let's back up. Back forget up. what I was going to say. Let's describe what this thing is like. So. What he sees inside this treasure chest is it has to be five, ten minutes of its own little short movie. Like Scrooge watches a movie, basically. Yeah. And so what happens is we go into the treasure box of visions or morals or stories that are going to help Scrooge along his way. An interesting idea, maybe. But we remember, we were the ghost of Christmas past, right? So we're supposed to be th- seeing things from the past. As we transition to the memory treasure chest, we get very clearly the 21st century in a hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it starts off with this kid. Now, it's the same kid who played young Scrooge. Yeah, it But is. he's got a different haircut, um, and he's he's doing, like, a voiceover. He's like, my name is Sebastian, and... Uh, for me to live, someone else has to die. And that's kind of the setup. And then the rest of this is a silent movie, right? Basically a silent film of this kid. So there's this kid, Sebastian, is in a hospital and he needs a heart transplant. And we're kind of, we're given this through like visual storytelling. Like you see like a clipboard and it says, needs heart transplant on it or something right and you see the doctor and he comes in and he's got like a bow tie that he adjusts which is going to be an important detail later and these this kid isn't in a hospital bed by the way he's like sitting in a wheelchair with a blanket over him and then there's like a curtain like a hospital curtain and then there's this girl like a teenage girl on the other side who is also in a wheelchair and also in a blanket and presumably is also like dying or something because they're both in the same part of the hospital and uh, the boy is very upset because he's dying and needs a heart transplant. And the girl keeps trying to give him like romantic things. And the boy is not into it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And significantly he, she keeps giving him heart shaped things. So she's like, I've got this heart shaped eraser on my pencil and I'm going to give it to you. And then I'm going to put on these heart shaped glasses and look at you. And I'm going to draw a heart on this paper and I'm going to text you to be my Valentine with a heart emoji or something like that. Um, yeah. They text message by the way, which if Scrooge is watching this, he's got to be like, what, what, what the hell is that? In 1795, he he would be like, what is, uh, uh, go on. Yeah. So I, I, this, this goes on for an eternity. It is, it feels so long and I don't know that it is necessarily that long. If it just feels long because it's so bizarre and out of place, but basically it's like a week, so you keep getting title cards. Oh, that are like well, Monday, right, John, Tuesday, cause... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? 
and by Saturday, the girl is gone. Like she's not there. Well, They've at, taken her away. So she keeps building up her attempts of like, like, will you be my Valentine? Is pretty close to the last straw. And he says or texts or does something that just basically says, "Leave me alone." He's yeah. not interested. Yeah, he's mean to her, and, and it's clearly because he like is sad that he's dying. Right? I don't care. I don't care. But no, but like that's but that's the story that they're trying to tell. Right. Like, but he's so sad about dying that he can't accept her love. Like that, and the moral of the story is like he has to get over it. I don't care about that crap. Okay, because this is something I see in too many movies. I see too many movies that do stalkerish like tropes for female characters, right? They, they, they're into a guy, right? And they do these stalkery things and we're supposed to feel sympathetic for them. Flip the script here. Have it be that there's a guy on the other side of that thing and she's on the other side. Not cool, right? So it's not cool here. This is lame and bad and it was made in 2020. Yeah. It's also, so I, I have a theory about these, these, this film, and there is another one of these, by the way, that's going to happen as well. Oh, John, don't spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I, I have a, a working theory about why these are here, and I'm going to talk about it when we get to the next one. Um, because, so one of the things that you notice about these is that they are shot differently, right? There are more wide shots in this. There are characters who are clearly on screen together, Right. Um, the settings and locations are obviously different because of like it's a different time period and whatnot but um, there are actors though so like the nurse in this sequence is Mrs. Cratchit is the same actress that played Mrs. Cratchit the boy is the same kid that played young Scrooge now the doctor and the other girl are not they don't appear other places in this movie so where we leave it off at that moment in the movie is she leaves yeah and he's left there and then somebody comes in and tells you, hey, kid, we can get you a heart. Yeah. And and that's so that's like Saturday. Right. And you know what? You think we're just saying that it, they really do just have these fade in, fade out. Quentin Tarantino, like stat, like title cards. And I'm so flustered by this job because yeah. it's so bad. So he so he goes in for heart surgery and then. Like, you know, it's successful because they put a stethoscope next to his chest and you hear a heartbeat that sounds normal. And then he is, does not wake up until Tuesday. So he basically has open heart surgery and then is in a coma for two days, mm. which I've never had open heart surgery. So maybe that's how it how it goes. That feels like a little bit extreme. Like, I don't think it would take you two days to wake up from that. Well, he's young. You know, kids bounce back faster when they're young, you know, I guess. Um, and and the girl is not there. Right. And so we are we are led to believe that this girl died and gave him her heart. And which is it's and so like it's basically one of those like, um, isn't this so tragic, like dumb Facebook copy paste posts that you would see. Right. That like your grandma, like it's like a forward from grandma, this whole thing. Stupid modern day attempt at an O. Henry finish that doesn't work. Yeah. But but that's not the end of it, because. Right. Then he gets a text message back from from this girl and he's like, what what what's happening? Because like there's this box where like where she used to be. And I don't know what we're supposed to think that box is. It's just like a cardboard box. Right. But presumably it's like her stuff all packed up or whatever. I don't know. None of this makes sense. 
And he gets all confused when she texts back. And then he looks down and on the ground next to him, for some reason, there's a newspaper. And the headline on the front page of that newspaper is about how a heart surgeon died in a car crash. And when you look at the picture, the heart surgeon's wearing a bow tie to remind you that this kid's heart surgeon had a bow tie on. So the kid's heart surgeon died and gave him the heart. And I... (laughs) So who performed the operation? (laughs) Well... Yeah, so I mean that's weird. There's other doctors, but like no, I don't understand. Not what in this, this is reality. To be in this reality, if you're not established, you do not exist. So the only way he could have gotten a heart transplant is that somebody that he knew died, right? So, yeah. so we don't see any other doctors. So apparently, the, I, what the hell is going on with this movie? So it's so I don't understand like what it's trying to say, like with the heart surgeon dying. I don't get it. I don't understand what it's what it's supposed to mean. Well, and what basically then happens is because he's all sad because he thought the girl died to give him the heart. And the and the movie's been like foreshadowing that that's what would happen. But then like he opens the box that's that's in her spot and this like heart balloon comes out and then the nurse wheels in the girl and she's got the heart glasses on and. And he asks her, like, will you be my Valentine? Because now he's, like, open to the idea of love, I guess, because it turns out he missed her when he thought she was dead. So I, I guess it's the, I guess it, the idea is, like, be open to love or something. But they have this. And, and here's the thing, right? They do this and have this bizarre mini film of a Facebook copy paste post in this movie instead of Fezziwig and instead of, of bell and instead of like anything else that (laughs) any possible other thing that they could have put there. And it's supposed to teach Scrooge this like object lesson instead of him looking at his own life and being like, Oh, here's why I'm screwed up. He's like, Oh, this, this weird ironic thing happened where this kid's heart surgeon gave him a heart. And then he could date this teenage girl who he wasn't really interested in. It's so strange. Ah, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't deal with this crap. This is John. Like, you know why they didn't shoot Fezziwigs? Cause they couldn't shoot Fezziwigs. You know why they didn't do anything with bell? Cause they couldn't shoot anything with bell. Cause they couldn't find people. They barely were able to find enough people for these shorts. Though I feel like they filmed them beforehand, but we'll get to that. And like, it's, this movie is barely holding itself together. Yeah. Barely. And it's not even like, and I can't, this is the moment when I was like, this is real, real bad filmmaking. Yeah. And I, it was the point of no return. Weirdly though, like this is also the moment where I'm like, Oh, this isn't just like a, a kind of bad movie. This is like a, like one of those bad movies. This is a, a birdemic, the room. Like this is, this is a bad movie that you get people together to watch because it's so hard to believe that someone put this together and thought it was a good idea. This is a movie that you will see on red letter media. Yeah. Like the people that do like the Mr. Plumpkin reviews and all that stuff, they review like bad movies like this all the time. It's going to, it's going to be on that show. Like it has to be. Um, it's a bad movie it's it's a bad movie and so there's like a weird moment here where like the ghost is like and your sister died and and she was all alone which i guess is a good call since 
since Fred's not a character in this movie to be like, oh, it turns out like because earlier in the movie, I forgot to mention this. His sister is like, one day I'll get married and I'll have children and then everything will be OK, which uh, that's a little bit regressive, too. But we, we, we can talk about that. <laughs> John, right? how's I having mean, kids? <laughs> well, no, but, but I mean, for for this female character to be like me getting married and having children is the thing that will save me from my bad life circumstances is kind of like a rough moral. Like and she's supposed to be like like in the right but because scrooge didn't go with her she died miserable and alone right but, but like what, even like, though her father was better it doesn't none of it makes any sense well you can do that then if you look if you set up these shots and follow through with them you can get some interesting things you could have uh because he didn't go back with her that the father reg- regressed and became worse sure, sure. and became a drunk again or whatever the hell like they don't do it and the movie suffers yeah um so so scrooge scrooge is then like show me no more i don't want to see any of these weird clearly student films (laughs) and and she sends him back and uh he's in his room kind of shaking the what is clearly like a shower curtain that they've hung up to be his bed curtain and (laughs) yeah and the ghost of christmas past is over i looked at i was like that ain't no bed curtain (laughs) That, that is something insanely different (laughs) yeah yeah and that that brings us to the end of the first half of our two-parter on this movie we're only halfway through yeah although i I think we might be beyond halfway through in terms of like what we actually have to talk about with this yeah but then they're gonna throw more curveballs at us and we're gonna have to really like dude this is I, i i can't john like this movie is I don't even want to talk about it. Like I honestly, it hurts me to talk yeah. about this movie because I, let, it's so hard to talk about as a movie too, because, because it, it is uh filmed so strangely that it's like hard to, to explain what's going on. It's, you know, what's like in that respect, it's when you play a bad video game, right. And the controls are bad. Yeah. And people are seeing you play the game and they're not understanding why you're not going from platform to platform or jumping or shooting the thing the right way. And you're like, pick up the controller, play yeah. this and tell me, and you'll know why it's bad. Cause the, 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 the controller's bad. Like they, they don't even know how to program their game here. Move on to the next gimmick. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we, why don't we cleanse our palate with something that's actually fun and enjoyable and uh, do some casting carols. favorite thing so uh last last time we did a casting carols we cast our scrooges which was a big deal right paul giamatti represent yeah, robert downey jr and paul giamatti who were, what a who fist what a fist fight between those two man like yeah that's i can see, i feel like i want to see a legal drama with the two of them as like opposing lawyers who, yeah he wasn't the lawyer in RDJ's I'm not going to be in any more Marvel movies. I'm a lawyer now movie. I, I don't know who the prosecutor uh, was yeah, in that film, yeah. but <sighs> poor RDJ. That, yeah. that movie flopped. <laughs> he's yeah, he's had a few flops since since Endgame, and it's like, come on, man, you can do it. I think he's doing a lot of like investing now. I feel like we're not going to see him in a ton of stuff. Um, he, he's earned a break. He, he was our Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give him that. Well, let's let's spin the wheel and see what comes up here. 
this is a fun one. Okay. This week on Casting Carols, we are going to be casting the Ghost of Christmas Present. And I know, ex- I know literally exactly who I would cast for this. It blows my mind that he hasn't played this role already. Alrighty, give me a couple of moments here. If sure. Want, uh, don't give yours yet because I want to think on it. And I yeah, would... no, take your time. I can cut out the extra time. I got him. I got okay. him. I got him. Okay. I got him. All right. We are back. We've we've made our choices. So, Jim, yeah. you sound pretty. You sound pretty confident. So, why don't you kick this off? My ghost of Christmas present is. John C. Riley. Nice. Nice. He's got the height. He's got the hair. He can be hysterical. And he could, he can smack Scrooge upside the face, right? Yeah. And think I, of- I will, I'll admit, I'm literally picturing Dr. Steve Brule. Brule <laughs> <laughs> rules, dude. Brule rules. All right. But no. Hey, I- Scrooge, it's free health. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you can see him. Doing any, like, if you want to do, like, the I Love Life scene, he could do that. If you want him doing the walking through the street and sprinkling pixie dust on people. I like that he'd be kind of like a working class ghost of Christmas yeah. present. Like, that's a very good call. Like, he's yeah. with a beard on, and he, and, and he can go, he can be red in the beginning, naturally, and then go gray as he need to. And the ignorance in one scene with him would smack. Like, he would yeah. just, like, be all up in Scrooge's face with that moment. Yeah. I like That's it. That's great. That so, is great. So, John, who is your ghost of Christmas present? Okay, so my ghost of Christmas present, I'm I'm close to cheating because he's been in A Christmas Carol before as a narrator, right? He's been a narrator. And the fact that, especially when this movie came out, the fact that he doesn't play the ghost of Christmas present is mind-boggling to me. My ghost of Christmas present... Is Brian Blessed? Oh, oh, that ain't right. That is too good of a casting choice. He hasn't played it yet. I, at least not in his like IMDb credits. I don't know if he's played it like on stage somewhere or something. That is insane to me. Like he is perfect for that role. Has he played Father Christmas in anything? I mean, I haven't done the. Like, I, I, I don't know. I literally just looked up Brian Blessed Ghost of Christmas Present, and the only credit I found where he's connected to A Christmas Carol is, like, he's the he does the narration for the one where, I think it's from, like, the 80s, Michael Hordern, who played Jacob Marley in a couple of the ones we've already looked at, plays Scrooge, and Brian Blessed's the narrator. Okay. And somehow isn't cast as the Ghost of Christmas Present. He should do all three ghosts somehow. Uh, if you got Brian Blessed on the payroll, you cast him as all three ghosts. Yeah. Like, like that's yeah. that's a, that's a, that's that, that might be the perfect casting, John. Actually, like I love my choice, and he, and John C. Riley works with what I've got going on with like my characters, right? Yeah. Like, well, and you've got a theme. Like you keep casting actors who have like kind of comedy chops which for. I- yeah. Which is cool. Like, I, I think it would make for, like, a really good version of it. I think that's the best way to interpret Dickens in the 21st century. Yeah. I honestly feel like to to elevate the wit for a, uh, and to kind of give it a, a, a palatable way for people to take it, I think that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Whereas I feel like I'm going a little bit more... Traditional, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's good. I mean, I mean, Brian Blessed and RDJ singing I Love Life. Give it to me, John. <laughs> <laughs> but think about like how good he would be when it comes to like abusing Scrooge, which is kind of everyone's favorite oh, part of the Ghost of Christmas present. If you don't know who Brian Blessed is, which first of all, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah, fix your life. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the miniseries I, Claudius, which is the best thing made for television before The Sopranos made. Like, I, Cla- I forgot he was an I, Claudius. He plays Augustus Julius Caesar, and he is fantastic. My point of reference for him is always the first season of Blackadder, where he plays Richard the First, or Richard the. Richard the Second. Oh! Yeah. yeah. Oh! Okay. So he doesn't fit my theme now, but can I give you my original choice that I couldn't think of until that moment? But I'm okay with John C. Riley because he fits my theme more. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Back the up, other please. person I was going to go with, Brian Cox. Oh, oh yeah, that's good. I like that. But he's too serious. I mean, he could play off these guys, but he doesn't have the height really, and he doesn't fit. The only person I felt like he would have fit in was the Ghost of Christmas Present because he'd be a great Scrooge too. But yeah. But that, but he, he, but he's a ghost of Christmas present, and he would be great. But I like John C. Riley. I, I think I like John C. Riley better, to be honest. I love Brian Cox, but I think John C. John C. Riley fits the energy of the role a little bit more for me. Totally, and, and like visually, it's I'm closer to everything. Like I just, I think John C. Riley is. Yeah. But Brian Bless, it's really good too, dude. Like, yeah. I don't I, look. I, I tell you, fans. In the past, the present, or the future, please let's get some fan art when this whole thing is said and done. Because I want to see this poster. I yeah, see for this, real. I want to see this Avengers-style poster put together. <laughs> well, if you think you know who would play a really great Ghost of Christmas Present, you are welcome to send that to us. Um, you can email us at jacobmarleyisdead at gmail.com or you can uh, tweet at us at marleyisdeadpod. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Marley is dead pod. Also, I've kind of, I've started putting some stuff on Instagram, mostly just like episode previews and things. I haven't done too much there yet. Um, primarily I'm doing our stuff, uh, social media wise on Twitter. We do have a Facebook page. You're welcome to follow it, but, um, it's mostly just like reposting our Twitter stuff. So Twitter is the best place to follow us. Um, James, what is something our listeners can do if they're enjoying this show? They can leave a five star. Five star, five star, five star, five star review. Wherever they listen to their podcast, uh, I know it takes. Uh, I know everybody talks about it, but it just takes a few seconds. Probably takes just five seconds to leave a five star review. Please yes. Um, <sighs> some special thank yous. Thank you to Ben DeVries for our open and closing and interstitial music. Brings me joy every time I hear it. Thank you to Milo Newman for our amazing and excellent cover art. And thank you to you listeners who continue to turn in and uh, tune in somehow after this episode to hear how this this insanity comes to a close. Um, We'll appreciate the effort. I said it off air, John. This is either the one that makes us or breaks us, and I don't know which one it is. I don't know. Well, because we're going to need it this time until our next episode, as Tiny Tim observed. God bless us, everyone. I'm ready. I'm tapping, dude. On Christmas Day in the morning.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 